Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Neck Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, we are um, rapidly aging men. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> wow. Whether I don't we, like where this conversation's going already, bro. Or not. <laughs> yes, we and, are. And with age often comes, you know, like ongoing. Wisdom? Well, sure. Supposedly, yes. <laughs> We'll let we'll let our viewers be the judges of but that. But you're going to go a different angle here. Well, aren't you? you know, there's some ongoing you know, medical issues. Oh yes, chronic yes. conditions you might pick. You're up You're predisposed the way. to getting some of that. Yeah, when yeah. you're young and you can bounce back like a rubber band. Yeah. not so much when like, you get older. You yeah. have to go to the doctor a little more often. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I, I yeah. used to be like I just get like my yearly physical and that was it. The doctor's like, hey, you're doing great. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, we got some things to talk yeah. about. Now it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, it's 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 that day of the week again, isn't it, John? Welcome, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, but we're fortunate. We live in an area that has a very robust healthcare system. This is true. Um, we have good access to healthcare and Absolutely. good insurance and all that stuff. Not everybody is that fortunate, though. Yeah. One, a lot of people live in rural areas that don't have that kind of mm, access good point. to healthcare. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, like uh, the the chronic condition thing can be mm. very difficult for people to manage sometimes mm. on their own. They might neglect that stuff, and that's mm. what then leads them to end up in the hospital eventually. This is true. Yep. You know, when, when they could potentially manage that. So, yep. yep. This is where technology can help us. Aha! Uh-huh. Technology. I knew podcast. you had an angle. Yeah, there had to That's be something right. here. Yes, yes. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about virtual care technology, how how it can help out with managing these chronic conditions. Nice. Help out with for folks that are in rural areas, people that can, maybe can't access healthcare as mm-hmm. readily and as easily. You know, right where they live. Yep. Yep. We've got Joanna Whitting, one of our folks. Here oh yes. Star, our, our oh, healthcare. Very PDM, excited about this one. Yeah. Joining us today, we're gonna talk about. Um, She's going to help us talk about that landscape in particular, mm, explain mm-hmm. what is going on right now, mm-hmm. what are doctors dealing with, what are patients doing or not doing mm-hmm. when it comes to their chronic management and care conditions. All right. We're going to talk about you know the, the virtual and tech-enabled care options that are out there, like RPM, telehealth. Got to be a whirlwind kind of that's happening in yeah, healthcare, right? Yeah. There is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk a little about the in-home in care and oh, like yeah. the nursing care yep, side yep, of things, yep. you know, nursing homes and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Whole other world also that deals with a lot of potential virtual care options. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's She's going to give us some other tips and tricks of where VARs might look to win some opportunities. Opportunities. There it is. I knew we're putting this all on Joanna today to help revitalize our healthcare business. Well, thank God, because I don't know a lot about it. So we need experts in here telling us where the opportunities lie. There you go. You you just know when to go get the prescription filled. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All that plus value to the VAR. What's technique with you? You'd think after this many podcast, 160 odd episodes, you'd I have say it right off the top. Properly, sorry. Yeah. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned today, our guest is Joanna Whitting. She is our Blue Star Healthcare Business yes. Development Manager. Yeah, uh, you've got a, you've had an interesting path, I think, to get to us because obviously you've kind of been on uh, multiple sides of mm-hmm. this spectrum here. Mm-hmm. So, Joanna, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little about your background and how you ended up here joining us at Blue Star. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I have been on both sides, like you said. So I did start off on the hospital side. So I've been in healthcare for most of my career, uh, really working in almost every aspect of it, everywhere from a hospital to ambulatory surgical centers, uh, DME companies in the emergency room. Actually, third shift was my first job. So a lot of fun there. 
Um, and then I actually did IT sales and did, started doing zebra sales and was working with you guys there. And now I'm here. So I um, have a little bit of background in ACOs as well. So that kind of plays into all this remote patient monitoring and our topic for today. See, there you go. An expert. Been in the field. Yep. yep. Been selling IT. Didn't know that part about you, Joanna. Even better, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that's I always like, love when we talk to healthcare folks <clears throat> here. I feel like almost all of them have been in the healthcare right. field at some point. Yes. Have worked there on the ground, experience. where it's like, third shift, man. You've seen things. Right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're working. Because no one else wanted to see. That's yeah. why they came at third shift. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If you can survive that, you can survive anything, I think. So, Amen. all right. Well, let's get into this because we want to talk about this whole virtual care world and the idea of finding, you know, uh, opportunities in healthcare that goes beyond mm. just the standard bedside stuff, oh, you know, barcode right. scanners yeah, right. and yep. carts and, carts stuff, like and stuff like that. Good yep. stuff, great stuff. Not yep. obviously value in that. And if you can sell that kind of stuff, awesome. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other opportunities in healthcare, I think, beyond that. And I think what we're going to talk about today can help maybe folks figure out where they might find a, a nice play out there. There you to, go. Okay. To win some business. So let's talk about, um, you know, the, the whole chronic care management. Uh, November, which is this podcast is releasing in November, is National Diabetes Month. Mm. Excellent time for us to have this discussion. That's one of, I think that's probably the chronic care condition mm, I think that mm-hmm. people struggle with. Um, and in fact, uh, over 50% of Americans live with a chronic condition. I count myself among those. Mm-hmm, I've got, you know, mm-hmm. a couple things with me, you know, that I have fairly simple, all things considered, but stuff that needs regular mm-hmm. ongoing medical management. So mm-hmm. what are, you know, Joanna, what are healthcare providers dealing with right now when it comes to treating patients that have these chronic conditions? You know, how, how are they managing it both on site and beyond? What, what kind of challenges are they encountering that's maybe leading us down this path to technology? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, it's important to kind of recognize the amount of people that are impacted by chronic conditions. So as you said, it's about half, right? So um, in America or the United States alone, it's about six in 10 and four out of 10 actually have two or more. Um, chronic conditions. So it's a lot of people that we're talking about. Um, And, you know, these conditions like diabetes, heart disease, some cancers, um, they're very expensive also to treat. So not only is it a large number of patients to treat, but uh, these conditions have really driven our nation's healthcare costs to over $4 trillion. Um, So it's a really big, I would say, uh, issue for us to tackle. Um, And, you know, the why behind all of this is kind of interesting, right? A lot of it is simple things like poor nutrition, um, lack of exercise, you know, even tobacco and alcohol use. So creating behavioral changes when patients can come in, right, is really hard. Uh, So I think that is why dealing with these issues can be so challenging, not just given the ridiculous patient to provider ratio, um, but really trying to effectively monitor and manage these patients when it, even when they do come in, we're seeing things like the white coat syndrome, which obviously is, you know, they come in and just the anxiety of coming into the appointment is spiking some of their vitals. So um, it's really leading to a lot of issues just to get them in the door and get accurate readings. And all of that, obviously, is then, you know, contributing to this cost of unnecessary ER visits, readmissions, poor patient experiences, and and really bad uh, outcomes for patients. So I would say probably the biggest issue is the compliance, right? Uh, Just getting patients to actually show up for their appointments. And 
a, a lot of that is because of some things that you talked about. So patients being in a rural community, not being able to get there because they're in a wheelchair, they're walking with a cane, they don't have you know, bus money or gas money. Um, there's definitely a lot of socioeconomic issues that are affecting health equity and, you know, really just taking care of these patients. It's it's the complexity in the healthcare environment is like mind boggling. Oh, yeah. And I can't even imagine being in healthcare practice and then actually having to help somebody with cr- chronic disease or so as you just said, four is it four out of 10 have have Six more than 10. one? Well, have oh, more than one. More than one, yeah. And so you get into the whole complexity of having to deal with care, right? That that is that it's just it is it is quite mind boggling, but yeah. you know, even as you mentioned, I, I guess what is a compliance? We've even even heard stories, and I know we're not going to get into this today, but we've heard like how how technology is helping out on on some of these fronts. You know, where you have AI that is getting that is now getting involved to look at weather patterns, and because believe it or not, pe- people won't show up when the weather's bad, yeah. right? Yeah. So if it's going to rain or something, that's yet another excuse not to go in. Right. Right. Uh, but triggering things, people like, always find excuses to. Well, I mean, and especially the elderly, right? Uh, well, I don't feel my mom doesn't feel comfortable driving in the rain. She yeah. will not drive in the rain, right? right. But she'll drive on a. But so, you know, these systems will trigger, well, okay, we'll send an Uber so you can still make your appointment kind of thing. So I think there's a lot of stuff happening. It's just, it's fascinating. But I cannot think of a more complex world than healthcare and then throwing, trying to throw technology at it. I don't know, Joanna, right? I mean, you live it every day. There's a lot of technology in play right now, right? Where it's, whether it's behind the scenes with AI or wearables and we'll get into some of that, but man, just a lot going on in healthcare, right? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I think about everybody wearing a smartwatch or a Fitbit, right? So all of these people are a lot of people are already kind of remotely monitoring their own health. You know, they're using it to track their steps, right? Um, But it's interesting because the people that really need it the most, the people that are older that probably aren't, or the people that don't have a lot of money and they're sick, don't have access to things that you and I take for granted probably every day. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Definitely. So um, there's going to be a few stats I'm going to quote as we go throughout this. Mm. And most of them came from research I did when we were putting together some marketing campaigns uh-huh. with a company called V1. Yes. Um, who has like a whole virtual care platform. We've had, we had, I think we had Kevin on. I think we did. Kevin yeah. Leal yep. from yep. V1 on maybe last year. Awesome. Talking about their platform. Yeah, good stuff. I recommend going back and checking out that episode. Episode. But, you know, and I'll, I'll drop the link to their ebook in our show notes, too. But, you know, I, I found out just a lot of alarming stuff that I it's one of those things you kind of you kind of knew to some extent that, yes, we as you know, as a society, especially here in America, just aren't taking care of our health the way we should. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these chronic conditions causing problems. People just aren't getting to health care as much as they should. And, you know, and then I come up across stuff like 20 percent of Americans live in rural areas without easy access to primary care or specialists. Right. That's that's a lot. That's 20 percent of our population. <laughs> that's a lot of people oh, that can't just readily go down the street and find them and get to a doctor quickly mm-hmm. and easily. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, you start thinking like, all right, there's got to be better ways to do do this. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I started thinking about all the stuff we've just mentioned about all the reasons people necessarily don't seek out care or don't, you know, take the time to do it or don't have the ability to do it. But then you pile on top of that, just the fact that our healthcare system is expensive, mm-hmm. you know, and people like they say to themselves, Hey, I don't want to go because it's, it's too expensive for me. Even just a, mm-hmm. a regular visit could cost me, you know, an arm and a leg, especially mm-hmm. if they're underinsured or they have mm-hmm. no insurance at all. Mm-hmm. It's like all this stuff just starts piling on on top of the fact that we have these chronic conditions that people are dealing with because of 
the various lifestyles, the way we operate. And it's just, it's, it just is this overwhelming burden that our system is struggling to keep up with. And mm-hmm. then our population starts struggling to keep up with. So, you know, again, obviously the reason why we're talking about this is because we do think that there is an opportunity for virtual solutions and tech enabled care options that can really make an impact on where we are with public health, patient outcomes, healthcare trust. So let's let's get into that a little bit. And let's start with you mentioned the remote patient monitoring and you know a lot of us already kind of do it with our smart devices as mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. but there are even other solutions for that that the hospitals and healthcare providers can provide. So let's talk about that RPM for short r- remote patient monitoring. What does it take to build one of these RPM solutions? What do providers then end up gaining from d- getting that out there and deploying it to their patients? Yeah, so there are certainly a lot of components uh, to a good solution. Um, So obviously you have the FDA regulated equipment. So things like blood pressure monitors, um, scales even, um, glucose meters, and realistically they're adding more and more every day it seems like. Um, And then there's the software piece. So having a dashboard so that providers can manage, you know, multiple patients at one time. And so the patients can see, you know, how am I tracking? What do I need to change so that, you know, my levels are where they need to be. And then a lot of the hardware that we provide, right? So things like tablets, not just for providers and for visiting nurses, but for the actual patient. So a lot of these folks don't have a tablet. They don't have an iPhone, right? So being able to equip them with what they need so everyone can participate is um, certainly essential. I would just say certainly any partners of ours that are looking to kind of build this out should definitely reach out to me um, and work with uh, our VARMED program to kind of partner with an established RPM um, company. It's, it's a lot more complex than people think, especially on the billing side of things. Um, it can get pretty hard for pay to get payers to pay. So making sure that you are working with somebody that knows what they're doing, I think is crucial. Yeah. That's an interesting angle on the getting the payers to pay. Yeah. yeah that, that, that usually helps. I can see a, a why that bit. might slow down some bars and be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this because I don't know if I'm going to get paid for this. Yeah. yeah right. Right. But a couple of, yeah, go ahead, Joanna. I was just going to say, and as far as, you know, kind of what providers will gain, um, this is probably what I get really most excited about besides the patient experience, right? So you think about uh, clinician burnout is at an all-time high right now. So imagine having all of these patients, you know, I think about ind- independent physicians a lot where they're growing up with their their patients. Now they have all of these patients that are older, probably chronically ill, and now they have all of these patients that are really sick and they need to manage all of them. And how is there enough minutes in the day to do that? So to be able to kind of, you know, have a platform where you can set these protocols and let AI do some of that work for you, right? So that you're only really seeing the patients that you need to see that you're you're having meaningful conversations with, I think is, um, a great benefit for them, but also, you know, just giving them the ability to free up more, not only time slots in their office, but hospital beds, right? So rooms, um, if we don't have all of these patients, you know, that are getting so sick and having to be readmitted or go to the emergency room, there's not only going to be more opportunities, but it's more revenue for them, right? And just a little fact about the money. It's funny because for a long time, payers weren't paying Medicare, even still, you know, a lot of payers aren't, but companies like um, Advantage Plans and Medicare 
are starting to pay for some of them. There's a lot of guidelines around it. You know, some things like you have to see patients um, 16 times a month, I think is one of them. Um, and obviously all the FDA regulations around the equipment, but providers on an average, you know, if you're looking at like a 200 person or patient practice, that could be like $27,000 a month um, for them just from Medicare. So certainly the ROI is there and they have a lot to gain. Yeah, it's interesting. A couple of statistics uh, that you had in that same write up mm -hmm. that you did mm -hmm. with V1. Uh, when you think about post-op RPM uh, programs uh, implemented, the Advocate Lutheran, I guess, is the general yep. hospital yep. that there was a study around it. Yeah. They saw almost a $1,300 per procedure savings by implementing, again, a post-op RPM program. Yep. Uh, also a reduction of 30% in the, in the length of stay. So when you think about it, I mean, you know, obviously there's a move. And, and when, when you can equate dollars like that, that actually can help offset some of the cost of some of the yep. technology that you're implementing. Uh, Joanna, I think one of them that I keep reading about on, on this side of the fence, meaning the side of the fence that isn't in, tel in, in health uh, all day long, is telehealth. Uh, that seems like that's had a dramatic impact. And one of those areas, I think, that a lot of our resellers, I don't, you know, they should at least be cognizant of it because as you just described, you know, this is a great opportunity to enable, you know, a healthcare facility that needs to do some RPM with tablets that can be taken home for a, a period of time and utilized by either people that don't have them, can't afford them, those types of things. So is that kind of some of the stuff that you're seeing in the marketplace? Again, a little bit more specific to health, telehealth? Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. I heard a physician say, um, you know, before COVID, some of our partners or some of these providers had telehealth already, right? And so then when COVID happened, they were like, okay, let's go. And then the rest of the world was not prepared and they were scrambling trying to do this, right? And so now I think remote patient monitoring is kind of at that point where it's the same thing. Like people are, are predicting that that's going to be the next big scramble. And the providers that are ready and have remote patient monitoring already offered, it's certainly going to make it a lot easier for them to just immediately start taking care of these patients. Um, so I, that is one thing that I'm excited for everybody to kind of have more awareness around, you know, these offerings. And I think your point is valid too. When I put myself in the shoes of a, of a reseller, they have to understand the the money, where the money goes and the payee angle. You just touched on it briefly, but maybe you could expand on that a little bit more, meaning like, you know, an entity, a healthcare entity is not going to get paid for the services unless what it's coded right. It's, it's put into the system correctly. They know the no, if you will, of how to facilitate the payment, but like, so telehealth or RPM might be one of those, like you can implement a system, but if you don't have it going through the right channels for paying, uh, you got issues, right? So having somebody knowledgeable on your on your team, your partner team, is going to be kind of you know necessary there. I'm gathering. Yeah, it's crazy. They keep changing a lot of these things too, right? So we saw a lot of changes during COVID, um, but it is interesting that Medicare and now the Advantage plans are starting to pay for that, and obviously they're. There are a lot of regulations, but there's also a lot of gray area. So, you know, things like you would think would be just assumed. Um, an example I recently heard was a patient had AFib. And so they submitted their claim and it got denied um, because it wasn't a chronic condition. And the provider's like, what? 
what do you mean? You know, this is, this is a, of course it's a chronic condition, you know, or, I mean, just simple denials. I actually used to work in insurance and we worked denials all the time. And it's like, you know, you wonder why these insurance companies have these huge buildings. It's because they're not, they're, they don't love to pay things, right? Like they love to not pay things so they can keep their money. So, you know, having a team dedicated to know how to bill it correctly and then how to deal with it when, when you do get those denials, I think is, is really critical. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing it up again. You know, I mean, the reseller has got to have some of these knowledges because I think you kicked it off well by describing the fact that there's opportunities, but the opportunities might be in the rural areas as well. Right. 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 And so helping these folks with this technology. So if technology is going to be the hero to help enable folks and, and kind of mitigate the distance, if you will, yep. well, f- having good knowledge on how to get those solutions implemented by knowing how they're going to get funded, you know, that's at least you got to have somebody on your team to, that knows that yeah. it can yeah. walk the walk, talk the talk, or at least ask the questions kind of a thing. It seems very much the reality in the yep. healthcare world. Yep. You know? I'll add a couple of things on there. One, when you mentioned this idea of the uh, what happened during COVID and where we are now and how things have changed. One of the last iterations of these marketing campaigns that we've done with V1, we were specifically going out and talking to and targeting uh, community health centers mm, and there you some go. of the federally yep. qualified ones. Right. And a big part of that conversation with them was that during COVID, the the rules for adopting telehealth were very loosened for them. They were mm. allowed to like, hey, we know this is urgent and urgent need. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to tell you like you've got to have a robust system that has to meet all these specific guidelines mm. and be cross all the, you know, the X's and, and O's and yeah, you know, right. dot all the yeah. I's and cross the T's and everything. Yep. It didn't have to be perfect. It just, you know, we understand you need something in place. So if, if it meets some minimum thresholds, fine, mm-hmm. and I can go out there. Well, that that expectation of that allowance was ending this year. I think it was just a few months ago, in mm-hmm. fact, that allowance ended. That's after it even had been extended a little bit. So now you're at a point where some of these some of these healthcare facilities that cater specifically to rural communities and to communities that are very underfunded or, you know, are maybe living off of Medicaid or whatever. These are the folks now that are being told, Hey, your, your telehealth system has to meet some certain thresholds and guidelines. So that could be a perfect opportunity to go out and find some of them and talk Mm. to them and say, Hey, are you meeting the standards as they are now set? Are you prepared for that? You know, has that, has anything changed there? What are you looking at right now? Because they might need to reinvent the wheel from what, from whatever patchwork system they yep. threw together yeah. at that time. Right, yeah. Um, the the other, Band-Aid worked for a while, but now yeah. they got to get legit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, the other thing I'll add there, too, is, you know, we, we've been talking about the payee side and the payer and everything, and obviously the money involved here. And I know ultimately what we're trying to do is improve public health and help people with lives and, you know, living with chronic conditions and live longer and yeah. not have to go to the hospital so much. However... You know, until our healthcare system is not a for-profit system, there's going to be money involved. Sure. And at the end of the day, this is a nice way that you can pitch these kind of solutions to hospitals and healthcare providers as well by explaining to them what's going to happen to them, what you're going to be able to put back into their pocket by doing mm-hmm. this. You mentioned mm-hmm. earlier with some of just the savings from that yeah, Anakin Lutheran right. study. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Another an, another piece of that study that came out was 38.2% reduction in preventable 30-day readmissions when they mm-hmm. implemented RPM. There you go. That stuff is huge right. for hospitals. It's yep. a big deal for hospitals to cut down on readmissions because typically a readmission, if you brought someone in and you treated them and then you said they're good to go and you left and they come back, you don't get paid for that. Yeah, that affects you negatively. That's that's Mm -hmm. usually on the hospital's dime because it was your fault that they came back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for any opportunity they can. And that's the kind of, you know, to to make sure people aren't coming back in for the same condition. That's a perfect place where you can level set with them and say, hey, 
implementing the kinds of solutions I'm trying to talk to you about mm-hmm. will cut down on those readmissions and again save you a lot of money. You know, when someone's showing up back in the ER because of something <laughs> you supposedly fixed before mm-hmm. and they're back again in just a couple weeks' time. Yeah. You know, that's right. all on you at that point. That's yeah. all coming right out of your pocket. Fair, so. fair. Yeah. Uh well let's shift gears a little bit here, Joanne, and talk a little bit about, you know, we, we mentioned earlier you highlighted that, you know, a lot of these chronic care conditions and these care issues are especially affecting the elderly or disabled folks, people that just, you know, are, are either living in home and, you know, can't get out and go to the places they need to, to including to a healthcare provider, uh, nursing faci- home facilities, you know, uh, independent living facilities, senior living facilities, all these kinds of places where they're just not able to get out and about and get the care that they need necessarily as much and maybe ignoring some of that care mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So we know there's a robust market for in-home care, visiting nurse services, very, becoming increasingly popular, but like everything else, especially in healthcare, staffing resources are just as thin as ever, and it's harder than ever to to get people to do those jobs. You have somebody probably going out there and visiting six or seven people in a single day right. just trying to help manage some of yeah. their healthcare. So mm-hmm. let's talk about how technology can help them out, make that whole make personal care a little easier, maybe for the folks as they're living in home or in a nursing facility, and also help the folks out that are going and visiting them and helping them, you know, uh, provide accessible care, safe care, and just getting them what they need to manage their conditions too. Yeah. So I think that there's a couple things, you know, and some of them seem really simple, but it's just a matter of implementing them. Um, so I think about my grandparents and technology and they're, they're not very tech savvy, right? So you send them all this equipment and then you're like, okay, can you pair this? Can you figure out how to make all this work? And that can be really challenging. Um, I think I heard a provider recently say it took them two years to get one of their patients um, up and going on their RPM plan because of the pairing. So there are companies that offer like SIM cards basically in the devices. So there's no pairing needed. The updates are just automatic. Um, you see other things, you know, where they're really enticing, maybe enticing isn't the right word, but making it really fun for them to do these updates, right? So making it into kind of a game um, with rewards, whether it's coins or, you know, gift cards, whatever that might be. Um, so certainly the compliance piece is huge. And if you can make it easier and funner for them, more fun for them to do it, then they'll do it. Um, I think having a solution that really is going to encompass all of their needs. So not only at home, but also that's going to be integrated with, you know, their PCP, their specialist, their care team, you know, wherever that might be so that they don't have to go repeat everything or forget to repeat some of the essential things. Um, Also, cybersecurity, HIPAA, validation, all of those things are really important on the safety side. We saw a huge uptick in uh, cybersecurity um, and I guess, you know, the hackers really went after our healthcare system and they did a great job of really messing a lot of things up for a lot of people. Um, so I think having those safeguards in, in place is really huge. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would say, and I know I already said it, but just to really hit home is making sure that everybody has access to the technology that they need. So not just setting them these things in a box and saying, okay, set it up because, you know, a lot of these people don't have a tablet or an iPhone and it, or I, you know, anything that 
they can use to get connected. And it seems so crazy to most of us that we're living in a world where people don't, but that's that's true, right? And a lot of times they're embarrassed. They don't want to tell people, I'm oh, sorry, I don't have a computer. I don't have a tablet, right? So they take these things and then they sit in the box. So it's just not accessible to them. Interesting, right? Here, we, mm-hmm. you think you've solved it by technology. Eh, I'm not comfortable with that, right? And that yeah. happens a lot, uh, I'm, I'm for sure. So, you know, when, and when you were, as you were thinking or uh, talking, Joy, and I was thinking to myself, you know, one of the other things that I think is obviously going to be beneficial here is more of an integration. So you have more technology mm-hmm. coming into, into play, but that technology obviously creates data. That data needs to be manipulated in a, in a way that makes sense to the clinician or whoever. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that that is, it, it seems like that is helping to the ease of using these types of things and, and cross-pollinating information. Are you starting to see that, Joanna, where, you know, you've got these tech companies, but but ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's creating information around the patient and in the transfer of that data between sources, if you will, you know, specialists and, and maybe the, the, the beginning hospital or whatever, things of that nature. Uh, is that happening in the marketplace, thus making it easier for the patient to kind of monitor themselves or how they're doing and those kinds of things? Yeah, I think it's definitely a challenge for a lot of companies. I think there are a couple that have really figured out how to integrate well with everybody. Um, But there always seems to be, you know, that one hospital that's still, you know, using a fax machine and they just won't get away from that. Right. Um, So I think we have a long road ahead of us before everything will be fully integrated everywhere. And obviously a lot of that has to do with just the safety of the information. Right. Um, So, you know, it's mind blowing to me that people think that, you know, this fax machine is, is super safe, but the integration of these systems isn't as safe. So it, it's that's healthcare, though. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> that's what kind of why I pose the question, right? I mean, we can all imagine this nirvana where our information just follows us around, but it's right, it's, it's right. not there yet. That's been it's getting a little better. It sounds for like a while now, for yeah. a long time, right? Yeah. But uh, that seems to have so many benefits. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the other thing too to that is. Even when sometimes everything is talking, there's such a delay, right? So, you know, you might get the information, but it's so delayed that now a new set of vital information is really what you should be looking at. So it's kind of like, not only do we have to get everybody connected, but we have to get them real time connected so that it's accurate information you're looking at. That's a great point because, I mean, let's be honest, in healthcare, you know, uh, knowing what's happening in real time can be the difference between life and death. Yeah, quite oh, literally. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But it's interesting. One last uh, statistic, you know, when you think about personal care made easier, more accessible, I, I think that getting back to the telehealth, people really embrace that. Mm-hmm. I think I saw the statistic, 86% of people who engaged in a telehealth, um, whatever, uh, um, a meeting or uh, thing, uh, enjoyed, not enjoyed it, but it was, you know, reacted favorably to it. So, you know, if that's one of those things where getting back to your white cone syndrome, right? I don't want to go into the doctor. I don't want to, oh, all I have to do is turn on this iPad and have a conversation much in easier. The, in the care of your own home. Yeah. In the care of your own home. Don't need to leave, leave your chair for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, there's some significant benefit there. I'd imagine, oh, yeah. yeah. Big so, time. Yeah. You know, I think the other part of this whole in-home and nursing care aspect and nursing homes and 
senior living, all that stuff that I think is interesting too. And Joanna, you had pointed this out when we were kind of talking about doing this episode and, you know, researching and talking about some of the companies we've been working with. And you mentioned uh, Attestive and other companies like that that are doing stuff out there around fraud and around identity protections hmm. and making sure that, because again, a lot of these situations you're dealing with are with elderly folks, disabled folks, people that may not have as much tech savviness as, you know, in the, in the modern technology world or might not, you know, might be a little trusting about the people that show up mm. and say they're there to provide health. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. making sure to the person showing up at their door or giving them, you know, healthcare, you know, uh, just giving them healthcare mm-hmm. is someone that's legit legit, and someone that is, is going to be giving them the proper care, someone mm. that has been properly vetted, mm-hmm. someone that is not going to go in and try to steal from them in some way or tell mm-hmm. them like, oh, you got to give me X amount of money and we'll give you this treatment or something. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it's something oh, that exists. I'm sure. yeah. But, you know, it's companies like that that are helping try to make sure. And again, this is all just these little bits of technology that mm-hmm. you know can be mm-hmm. out there. That can, you know, where you can win some opportunities on, again, I, you know, I know the the golden nugget that people might see when it comes to healthcare is like, I'd love to go and sell, you know, a, a whole barcoding system to an entire <laughs> hospital system. system. Right. You know, like yeah. the, this, bil- the millions, yes. millions of dollar deal. Like, yeah, that sounds great. But those are, those are literally one in a there billion There are incremental deals. ways to get into the healthcare system as well, yeah, right? Exactly. You, Dip can, a toe you, can, in. you can still w- get, make some money off of it by finding other opportunities like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I also sure. think back to and there's another situation someone we had on the podcast. Um, we had Keon from Independo on, mm-hmm. again, maybe about a year, year and a half ago talking about uh, their, again, for like the senior living environment Mm -hmm. where they basically were just providing um, virtual care options, among other things, on a patient's television Mm -hmm. so that you could have someone in a nursing home or maybe even living in their own home or in a senior living facility that their own TV can be their access mm-hmm. to healthcare, whether mm-hmm. it is making appointments, mm-hmm. whether it is submitting information about, you know, what's going on with your healthcare, mm-hmm. reminders to take your medicine, exercise videos. Yeah, information all, on yeah. how to, right. Yeah. Or just connecting with what's happening around the community and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like the kind of stuff that can help, you know, someone, an elderly person or someone with a chronic condition manage their day-to-day and stay connected with yeah. healthcare providers. Right. Yeah. Something like that. A simple, very simple piece of technology that can go a long way towards changing out comes for mm, these type of patients. Mm, so mm. again, look, you know, look for those opportunities that are out there, but let's, let's, let, Joanna, we'll let you kind of even make this a little simpler for us. Where <laughs> else do you think beyond what we've talked about, is there anywhere else you think the bars should be looking for opportunities to implement this kind of virtual care tech? Anything we've missed outside of the standard hospitals and healthcare and the, you know, the senior type services? Yeah. So I think I would just reiterate um, that we really have to make sure our VARs understand the full scope of the solution. So I think really partnering with an established RPM or a healthcare um, partner is really critical, right? Because that's you do not want to try to offer this and then not know what you're talking about because it will be very obvious very quickly um, to the people that you know are, are interested. Um, but once you find them, I think some areas that you know you could kind of look at that maybe we haven't discussed yet are besides rural areas, um, overpopulated areas. So it's funny. I live in Atlanta and there are so many people here. It's amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, why do people keep moving here? But I, I moved here, so I guess I'm part of that problem. But you know, it's like the infrastructure in these big cities sometimes cannot handle it. So to get an appointment is really hard. There's just no slots available. Um, 
And the other thing is independent physician clinics or even IPAs. So these, you know, groups of independent physicians, I think is a huge area that we could help support them. Um, and again, just to go back to the benefits, you know, it's really, we are really helping them. They have a huge burden right now as all of their patients are aging and just, I can't imagine the stress that is on them and, and then they can't keep staff, right? All of that. Um, home health agencies is another good one. So you think about, you know, patient goes into the hospital, they get discharged, they go home. Well, a lot of them are discharged with a home health agency, right? So under their care. Well, if they get readmitted under, uh, if they get readmitted to the hospital and then they get discharged again, they're probably not going to go back to that same home health agency, for obvious reasons. So I think if you can find home health agencies that have high readmission rates, but are looking, they're eager to keep those patients under their care, that could be a great benefit for them, kind of some low hanging fruit almost. Um, and then lastly, I think really important is ACOs. So I think, you know, value-based care, obviously I, I am very passionate about it. Um, I feel like it is the future of what we should be doing. Absolutely. 100%. Once that gets widely adopted and is integrated, I think we'll start seeing a lot of opportunities, not just for remote patient monitoring, but for the nurses that are going to go for companies like Attestive and Independa. Um, it just really is going to open up a lot of doors for us to, to help these folks. Yeah, good stuff there. As I sit back, I was also trying to think of other ways that, you know, resellers could kind of get in the game, if you will, or other opportunities. There's other angles into healthcare, I guess. You could go through the insurance company angle. I mean, they're they're looking to be efficient or, uh, you know, vet solutions. And then they can obviously have a pull or push on implementing certain types of solutions. Yeah. So that's that's an angle that, that's unique. And, and there are smaller insurance uh, companies, some of them that are out there uh you know so working that angle you could go into employers you know employers themselves at least larger ones in your area uh, try to do things that are along those lines that implement technology whether it's wearables or the, the the telemedicine that we've been talking about here you know implementing those types of programs so you know there's 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 other angles i guess than yeah. just going to the hospital itself knocking on the door <laughs> and saying hey you want something you yeah. need some tech yeah you know yeah uh you know i i didn't have anything particular to add here but you just mentioned the whole you know the insurance thing, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. I, you know, I help my mom manage a lot of her healthcare stuff and I, you know, I help manage like her Medicare and, and I notice sometimes when I'm paying attention like to her Medicare portal and, you know, get emails about the stuff they've got going on. There is a lot of that. There's a lot of things where they're offering like, Hey, you know, sign up for this to, you know, help out with, you know, fitness or sign up for this for reminders, do this and you can get a Fitbit, you know, mm -hmm. to your point, mm -hmm. there's, you know, the insurance companies, you know, I know we, we think about them as just being the bad guy most of the time. You're like, Oh, they're just the ones that, you know, yeah, right. want to make as much money as possible yeah. and cover as little as and possible. Hoarded. Right. Yeah. But in reality, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they just, they want customers more than anything. And if you can prove your value to a customer by helping them with their healthcare and helping them get better outcomes with it, that will hold, hold someone to you as a potential right. customer. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a good yep. point. That, that yep. could be someone you can talk to to find out how, mm -hmm. if nothing else, you could be finding out like, Hey, how are you guys dealing with virtual care? What is it like for you from your side of the business? Mm -hmm. What can we be doing differently with hospitals and healthcare providers, mm -hmm. providing them with this technology to make life easier on you and what yep. you can do and what you yep. can cover as 
well. Oh, absolutely. Because that might help you figure out like where, you know, where the path is to then go back to the providers and say, hey, I've talked to some insurance companies. Here's what they're recommending and what they will be able to cover if you implement. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about getting that into your your mm -hmm. area as well. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, uh, like managed care organizations, I think are huge for that, right? Because um, and really, insurance companies as a whole, they don't they don't want to pay these claims. They want to sh to kind of follow the shift of value based care of being more proactive. So keep being patients out of the hospital, out of the ER, keeping their costs down. So I definitely think that's a um, a great place to look. I think it's really really challenging, um, especially when you're talking about you know. Medicare and Medicaid. I know right now there's a couple states um, that are starting to pay on the Medicaid side for remote patient monitoring. And I feel like those, the folks that are really working that are the trailblazers. It is, they have a lot of grit. It is hard. I did it for a little bit in one of my past positions. And you're, I mean, it, it is hard and you're just banging your head every single day explaining why things are medically necessary, why this is a good idea. Um, but eventually, you know, I think people will come around and um, I think we're also going to start to see a shift from, you know, right now it's really focused on chronic, chronically ill patients, right? So we're more of patients that are really sick and are older. And I think we are going to start seeing it shift to younger people, right? So back to kind of the whole, how many people are wearing a wearable watch or something, right? Um, so we look at like pregnant women, like that's a great area. I think that we're going to start seeing, you know, there's, there's a lot of statistics around health equity. You know, if you're black or brown, you're going to probably have a worse outcome. Um, and that's just, the way that it is right now, but when we can change that model to now those care is in their own four walls or in their pocket, I think we're going to start seeing that really positively affect some of those issues that we have. Um, and then even just with kids, right? So like after they're born, you know, they sent me home with my baby and I was like, you guys trust me with this baby? <laughs> like if there's a problem, call us. And I was like, I don't know what, what what's a problem. Like if they turn blue, you know, so kind of having that monitoring of, of babies, right? And, or even asthma in, in kids. So I'm excited for that because I think right now we're in kind of the trying to figure it out, trying to get everybody on board. But I think as it's slowly adopted, we're going to start seeing the patients that have more access to a lot of these things and are more tech savvy and really need the help and want it um, it be available to them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very good point you made there too, because, you know, we talk a lot, when we talk a lot about these conversations about virtual care and these mm. solutions out there, a lot of times we're talking about health equity, mm. which, you know, disproportionately affects women, you know, yeah. patients of color, especially women of color. Let's be honest. We know this. And, and again, I think that's maybe another place for you to go look because if you're, you know, if you're checking in with, you know, providers that, that cater to those particular markets and those particular demographics, they're the ones that are probably even more challenged than any, any others and are looking for more ways to keep those patients engaged and help them out. And like you said, just the idea of, you know, sending someone home and being like, hey, good luck. You know, we, we got you. We got you as far as we needed to go. Hopefully this works out for you after this. That's the kind of stuff where. 
wouldn't it be nice to be in a situation where the healthcare provider can say, hey, you're going home, but we're sending all this stuff home with you. We're going to keep monitoring you on a regular basis. You don't have to come in as often. You don't have to check in. We're just going to keep tabs on things, and we'll let you know if, if we see something irregular or unusual. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't we all love that? I mean, oh, it's just, for sure. That's awesome. Well, yeah. no, it goes back to the whole ch- when you when you first go home with your child, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. They wheel you outside, <laughs> yeah. and they say, what, they literally wheel you to the curb and yeah. say, well, good luck. Yeah, you're ready for this, right? And you're like, what? <laughs> Had I not had a wife that was one of six children and oh, understood the whole, because me, I'm the guy. I'm no, I don't know what to do here. What do I do? Yeah. My whole thing was, I just read a few books. Like I was uh, like, all right, I'm gonna read as many books as possible before this kid gets here, and hope and hope. <laughs> now, granted, half of what I read got thrown right out the window in the first week or so. Yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah. at least at least I felt like I had a little bit of a baseline to yeah. to help figure things out. So but maybe if I had a little kit, you know, with some with <laughs> yeah. some remote monitoring, exactly. That, I think to Joanna's point, oh yeah, okay, the baby's not dying. <laughs> That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, because everything holy. terrifies you in there. Everything terrifies you. Yeah. 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 Like, oh my God, they didn't breathe for half a second. Like, <laughs> well, you don't breathe for half a second sometimes either. It's fine. Yeah. That literally happened to me. I went, I took my baby to Florida and I, I was with my father-in-law and my husband and I freaked out and I was like, I think my baby is allergic to your cat. We need to get a hotel. Like she can't breathe. And they're like, I don't think that's it. You just need to calm down. And I was like, no, we need to get a hotel, a five star, probably. <laughs> exactly. I didn't win, but I, I tried. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, in a moment, we'll tell you a little more about how Blue Star in particular can help you go out and win some healthcare hey, there business. You go. Yep. Uh, before we do that, I want to, as always, thank our sponsors here of our Tech Connect mm, program yes. and our Tech Connect podcast. Of course, Zebra, yes. who I know, you know, uh, Joanna works with quite closely. Mostly our big time sponsors. We always appreciate their support of our Absolutely. show and our Tech Connect program. And again, some of the fantastic you know folks that we've talked to in healthcare over the last few years too. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you like what you see and hear on this podcast, if there's other healthcare topics maybe you want to hear about, we need to hear from you. First of all, simple thing you can always do. Like our, our show. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel, leave us a comment. Listening on any podcast, you know, audio format of your choice, if there's an opportunity to rate and review, please do that as well. Yep. But more importantly, if you have ideas for the show, if there are other topics in healthcare you'd like for us to discuss, happy to bring Joanna on. Joanna's got lots of connections that she can reach out to and bring on for us also. Mm-hmm. So just let us know. We yeah, need to know drop us stuff. a line. There yeah, you go. There so you can always find a link in the show notes to send in some suggestions to us and get a free t-shirt just for doing so. Or you can also email us at any time, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, starting with our value to the VAR. And, you know, as I mentioned, Joanne, I kind of want to talk about what we here at Blue Star do, because, you know, we're not, you know, we, we know healthcare is a very challenging field from, you know, the, the from the the people and the patients and the providers and all the mm-hmm. folks actually living in it. Absolutely. But also for the folks in our world who are trying to sell technology, right. implement yeah. technology Help out. in this yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So explain a little bit about, you know, what Blue Star offers to our VARs and maybe our ISV partners also to help them go out and win new opportunities in healthcare. Yeah, so I am really excited to talk about VARMED. Um, I work really closely with uh, a consultant and we really kind of, I, I like to say we do a little matchmaking between VARs and ISVs, um, but it is a lot more than that. So really we get to learn people that are interested in selling into healthcare, what they're really good at, and then strategically align them with a software vendor, come up with some really good 
bundles um, and solutions and then push those things to the market. So that has been really fun for me. It's obviously I'm newer now to Blue Star. So it's really given me, you know, a, a kind of quick introductions to all of these partners and given me a lot of information on who they are and what they do and how we can support them. Um, so we do that part of it for Varmint. And then we also have educational uh, sessions. So we do those twice a month and we really just kind of focus on where opportunities lie, um, what's what's new, what's maybe not new anymore. Like what do we need to be shying away from? Cause that's old technology. So we really kind of look at the market and um, how to position your company. There it is. I mean, right. Partners need partners in order to, to uh, succeed. Yep. And so the VARMED program is wonderful and that it's so hyper-focused on healthcare. Uh, so if you are at all interested, I think Joanna did a wonderful job there of just kind of painting some of the, some of the main pillars of the benefit around networking and things of that nature. But uh, truly you need to have in your posse, if you will, people that know the, the what to do and yeah. know how to walk the walk, talk the talk, and can kind of shepherd you into the opportunities uh, so that you can, you know, take advantage of what the explosive nature of technology being implemented in healthcare. Look, you know, at the end of the road, if we are all going to reach these nirvanas of, of great healthcare, we all have to be practitioners and getting the technology in, involved. So, yeah, yeah Varmed's a great program. Definitely. Helping out with that. Yeah, and Joanna mentioned earlier, you know, that a lot of folks, especially that work like on the Medicaid and Medicare side of things, are always mm. banging their heads against the mm -hmm. wall trying to figure out how to get involved in this stuff. And if, if that is you and it, on from the, the reseller or the ISV side, reach out to someone like Joanna because right? yeah. she can appreciate what you're going through. She's been there herself. Yep. She'll be able to, 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 you know, commiserate with you mm -hmm. and then also help you maybe make some suggestions about what you can do. And I'll just Fair. say also, you know, on the, on the, the educational side of it, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times, some folks we've had on the podcast, every time we've had a healthcare episode, we don't do a lot of them necessarily, but when, you know, when we, when we have done them, I think they're always some of our best guests with some really in, interesting insights and knowledge, whether it is about implementing digital signage, whether it's mm -hmm. you know, folks like Kiana and Independa, mm -hmm. V1, Ambient, all these folks that we've had on over the last few years talking about healthcare and opportunities. So many. Great, yeah. great places if you're looking again for ideas about where opportunities might mm -hmm. lie and the kind of mm -hmm. partners you might want to have. Go back through our feed. Maybe I should make like a, a separate playlist. playlist, yeah, stuff or right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love making playlists on YouTube. They're <laughs> quick and easy to do. Uh, so you know, I, I'd be happy to do something like that or guide you in the you know in a direction of some of those. But again, if you're just looking for some of that, and I think the other thing there to realize there too, and I think this is what our VARMED program helps out with because I know you do a lot of like actual like discussion and research with mm -hmm. folks in the field, you mm -hmm. know, and actually practitioners and understanding what their challenges and what they're dealing with and how, you know, talking to them about technology is to, you know, I, I feel like we've grown this understanding that healthcare is, is not about a quick sale. We've mentioned this a couple of times already. If, if you're rather sure. just looking to make a quick buck, it's probably not the place to start. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can make some very meaningful sales, meaningful relationships. And again, if you do get down that road where you become a trusted partner with a healthcare uh, entity, they can be very lucrative mm -hmm. down the road too. Mm -hmm. Just, just to, as long as you understand that it's not a quick play and that it takes time and more importantly, that it does take partnerships. And mm -hmm. I think that's where we can help you out is by helping create those partnerships and connect you to the right folks that will get you where you need to go and help you win some of those big opportunities maybe down the road or even a bunch of little yeah, opportunities. A bunch of base hits, yeah. Get you absolutely. In the door, so. There you go. Absolutely. Play some small ball. There you go. Small 
small ball. I'll continue your, your baseball analogy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, finish up with our favorite segment each week, What's Tech Connecting with Ooh, You? Yes. This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, business, tech mm-hmm, innovation, just mm-hmm. something we feel like chatting about today that's got our attention. We there just you wanna, go. We yeah. want to share. All right. So, Duane, I'll let you kick it off here. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? Drones. Okay. Ah. Drones. I I had no idea that they were as useful as they are. (laughs) And I was really pleasantly surprised to see that they are starting to be adopted in healthcare. Um, Not necessarily in the United States, but in other areas of the world. So I actually read an article about... um, there was a guy in his garden and he had a heart attack and his neighbor was a doctor and recognized that he was, of course he was a doctor because otherwise it wouldn't have probably made the news, but um, he called 911 and they had a drone deliver a defibrillator and it saved his life. So Get out of town. Wow. That's cool. I think it's, I think that is going to be the, I mean, not now, not, not like in the near future, but I cannot wait for that to be our future of like, you call 911 and a drone comes and delivers an EpiPen or, you know, what, what, whatever you need to save somebody's life, especially in a big place like Atlanta, where you can wait hours for the ambulance to come. So. And can't even make their way over there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They're stuck in traffic. I bet you're going in the angle. I think Amazon is now testing some drone delivery of pharmaceuticals, if I'm not mistaken. I know they uh, had their whole like big that. pharmaceutical program. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, they were, yeah. you know, they, they've been playing with drones for a while For now, a while so. now. But I think they're actually like somewhere in Florida where yeah. the weather's generally nicer all the time. Yeah. Uh, or, and there's a bunch of old people down there. So maybe <laughs> that helps. It's <laughs> yeah. per, right? the perfect mix. If the, you, the per you capita, yeah. yes. There's yes. demand but, and there's the ease of transit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I seriously. I think they're starting to utilize drones in that. I'm with you, Joanna. It, it is pretty cool. I don't know. Are skies going to fill up with these things zipping around? around? Oh, that's always the big question. Is like yeah. you know, I, I, like I'm all about figuring out interesting uses for them, but I'm also not like I don't want to be just this constant hum of drones over my head. All well, day right. Did I tell you the story when I went on vacation? We were down in Destin, Florida, and now there's the helicopter rides. And so you're you're trying to sit on the beach right, and relax, right. and all you hear all day long, yep, meow, yep. back meow, and forth, yep. Meow. So to your marketing. point, marketing. Well, yeah, no, no, I hear you, I hear you. That's fair, but you know, we got this line of drones just zipping around in 20, yeah. 30 years. Is that what it's going to be? Yeah, probably, don't know. probably. Don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a good use case of what yeah, Joanna just brought up. Yeah, I, I just think it's going to be amazing. And I think about like all these, like my family, we have uh, some hunting cabins around and, you know, all these older men, they have all, all of them have chronic conditions, right? And we're all like, oh my gosh, I hope nothing happens to them. But if there was a, you know, it gives me a little sense of... Uh, relief i guess a, a drone could go save their lives yeah there you, there go. you go yep very good all right, all right i got one video. i've got one in the healthcare field right okay. so i can brownie right. points keep, for that sure eye scanning ai predicts uh, and detects diseases in world's first study so researchers have developed an ai tool able to detect eye disease of course by doing a retinal scan but also predict the risk of health conditions including things like parkinson's disease wow. heart attacks and strokes just by again that retinal scan that, that you're doing so do you like getting your eye scanned by the way you I'm, don't mind i, I mean you I'm probably get them scanned it, all I, the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not overly fond of it, but 
Um, well, apparently... It's better than dilation, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. Apparently, you can learn a lot by... They're called... It's, it provides a non-invasive window into your nervous system and the capillary network made of, you know, all those tiny little yeah, blood yeah. vessels and it's stuff like that. So the model, the model has been created, the AI model. It's called RetFound. Uh, it's one of the first, you know, AI foundational models being used, I guess, in healthcare today, uh, whereas it's an open source thing. And this is one of the wonderful things about AI, I think, right? right like right. when you think about all the death and destruction that could come out of AI, right. but we, here's a good use of AI. And then they, they've created this model so that other entities can use it. Uh, they, they, they put it up on um, uh, GitHub, actually. And researchers worldwide can now get into this model and see, because what it is, I think it was a scan. It was, it's 1.6 million retinal scan images from Moorfield's Eye Hospital, wherever that is. So you've got this database, right? It all comes down to the right, data. Right. And then being able to make it do something with that data. Well, here's some good because what, what the system, you know, with the model now, the AI can, again, do suggestive, well, this looks like it's prone towards heart disease or other diseases just by the retinal scan now. So I don't know. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, get, a, get an eye retinal scan and now you've got this long list of chronic diseases that you have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that part's a little depressing. That, that's a little but, depressing. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. at least you can find out rather quickly yeah, they without scan the your eye and go, prodding or, or not getting taking blood, you know, right, because right. there's a whole needle factor and all that kind of I good just, stuff. We're inching ever closer to like the Star Trek bit. <clears throat> oh, we are, dude. Where you just yeah. lay down and they just pass yeah. the tricorder over Bones, you and a little thing yeah. just, just scan over you <laughs> and they know everything that's wrong with you, everything to fix about you. Yeah. That's it. I, I want that it. world. That's right. Yeah. We're heading that way. Well, we were promised it many, many years ago but uh, we're just a little delayed in getting there yeah anyway we're like what, a lot delayed yeah okay. what's tech connecting with you my uh, friend all right i don't have anything healthcare related unfortunately. okay I mean, that's you right. no brownie it, points know, for you want to find a connection there maybe you could but yeah. uh okay so it's been established i'm a fan of taylor swift yes Yes, uh, Jared, are you are you a Swifty? Are you a Taylor Swift fan? You know, it's hard not to like her. Yeah, exactly. This is true. Exactly. This is and true. obviously, she's blown up this year in a little bit. Many ways, the, the biggest tours on the planet, biggest tour, big, big album, and yeah. now that she's obviously, we were just talking about this before we came on, that she's dating a hugely popular football player, yes. and that's become a big deal now. Yes, too. colliding worlds. Now, yes. I'm going to leave my feelings about that aside. Oh, which probably have a lot to do with Travis Kelsey's comments about the Bengals after their playoff oh, win last year. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. That's probably why I'm not overly fond of Oh, but of we're big Travis fans because he's a UC grad. But anyway, go okay, ahead. Okay, all right, fine. And he reps Cincinnati like nobody. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so yeah, that aside, though, when we were talking about this whole relationship, and obviously it's you know been a big deal in the world of the NFL. Yes. Every time she shows up one of his games, she's always focused. You were noting that the other day yeah. they were playing her songs as yes. people were walking <laughs> off the field. They were noting statistics <laughs> about how Kelsey performs when she's there and, and when, when she's, she's not there. Which oh is my absurd. lord! Yeah. But because Swifties, the hardcore Swifties, I'm just someone who likes her music. I'm oh, not you're not the, a hardcore. I'm Swiftie. not the I'm not the Swiftie that goes into the conspiracy theory realm, which oh, are the ooh, folks whoa. that analyze every photo every video uh, find numbers numerology and to try oh, to predict good when Lord. she's going to put a new album out okay what all right. this means or yeah, 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 whether yeah. she is or is not gay like all this kind of all, stuff that's okay. going on out Got there it. that people are all over these conspiracy theories about but one of my favorite ones that has come up is when she started this whole process of dating kelsey mm -hmm. she went to a jets game with him okay his games was in new york at the jets and mm -hmm. they were playing there now, apparently, the next day, so this is something I don't know if you're aware of, but Taylor Swift has been called out in the past for like having some of the highest rate of emissions for using private jets. Okay. So she frequently takes private jets, which 
it's one of those things like Don't I know have it a problem sucks. With that, but go ahead. I know it sucks. I understand it's an emissions issue at all. But she's also one of the most ridiculously popular women on oh, the yeah. planet. She couldn't walk. How anywhere. could she walk through a normal you know airport and take you nowhere know, economy class with anywhere. the rest of us? No. no, that's ridiculous. So. Yeah. Leaving that aside, though, and again, that particular problem. So it's something she gets called out on quite a bit. All right. Well, apparently, after she attended this particular game, if you searched Taylor Swift Jets on Google or on the Internet, okay. instead of usually finding a bunch of articles and like trackers of how many personal jets that she's taken and all the emissions that it's causing, you now saw hundreds of articles about her attending a Jets game and dating <laughs> Travis Kelsey and all that kind of stuff. So the conspiracy theorists come out saying, this is an SEO play. Oh, this is I all see. part of the plan. Are you serious to bury right now? This, to bury this one, one of these few negative stories about her oh, good underneath uh, underneath an, an, an NFL football game. So there we go. It's, the whole thing is she just she decided to start dating some dude yeah. just so she could throw go off to a search engine optimization and, and yes. change the Google results. <laughs> Google algorithms. I, it would start making me think. I'm like, are there any other teams that she could somehow like get involved with? So like, you oh. know, like if she like, yeah. you know, is caught on camera like kicking a baby bear, can she go right. to a Cubs go to, game and right. get that, yeah, get yeah, that a race? Know, right? You know, yeah. Like, like I'm just trying That's to say, just like, as ludicrous. Is there any other sports she can start dating somebody in to figure out if there's ways to yeah. you know, to to change the the, the Google results or something? <laughs> I don't know. Lord. So. People will stop at nothing, will they? They they will not. So yeah. That was that was one of the more interesting theories I've ever come across. With Stay an away interesting from little Taylor. Technology angle. I, yeah. I mean, if if she did actually manage to do that, she's one of the greatest. I mean, she's one of the greatest marketers of all time. But man, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how do we game that for our SEO and figure out how to make that work for us? So, uh, all right, that's uh, a good one. That's what's tech connecting with us today. Joanna Whitting, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Appreciate Joanna. having you on the show. Yes, thanks for having me. Until next time, uh, you know, go out and um, um, win some healthcare deals, yeah. find some opportunities, yeah. connect with us if you need some help. Absolutely, Varmed. Yeah, and if there's anything bad going on with you or your business, just figure out how to manipulate your SEO like Taylor Swift and <laughs> you'll be a-okay. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Are you looking to stay up to date on industry news, market evolutions, product developments, and more? You better. I mean, I hope so. I mean, no, I'd you're, like to stay in the past. So if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you have some interest in some of that you stuff. You better. Yeah. Well, Zebra has select resellers covered with their competitive intelligence portal Ooh. designed to monitor, curate, and communicate the activities, events, and strategies of Zebra and its competitors. That sounds handy. The competitive intelligence portal provides easy access to tools like a differential differentiation Analyzer, nice, say, yes. With dynamic portfolio comparisons for Zebra products to competitors and other Zebra devices, oh. identifying advantages and disadvantages. This is the kind of thing I don't think you get too many places. Right? Uh, you'll also have access to a searchable daily news feed and social media monitoring, enabling users to stay abreast of products, innovations, and press releases for Zebra and other vendors. Now, I'm not sure if they'll keep you up to date on what Taylor Swift is doing. Yeah, but, you know, I but I'm not sure other business in intelligence. We're going to go down the you business. You can drop a note if you want and see if maybe they'll <laughs> that i don't know but i mean let's be honest taylor swift could be good for business if well it somehow, could be yeah somehow you're able to capitalize oh on taylor God. swift appearance she showed somewhere. up with the zebra you yeah. know all right and there you go. uh the portal is only available to north american members of select zebra partner tracks check out the link in the show notes to see if you are eligible and to access competitive resources technical podcast is also brought to you by elo uh, you're looking to meet the needs of both hospitality and retail customers and their employees, as well as their busy on-the-go consumers. I mean, if you have anything to do with retail hospitality, again, you should be doing this. Yes. 
I feel like there's a lot of no-brainer stuff here. Well, sometimes we got to remind people. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, the new Elo M60 Pay is a mobile POS computer designed to support everyday business. I'm excited about it's this guy. a rugged enterprise-grade all-in-one device with a 6-inch HD touch display, Android mm. 10 OS, Qualcomm Snapdragon mm-hmm. 660 octa-core processor. I think that's a new Marvel supervillain. <laughs> and all the requisite connectivity options. Uh, what puts the X, the M60 above other mobile computers is productivity that is the productivity that it also offers with integrated payment capabilities to speed customers along wherever they are. There it is. The payment. M60 is equipped for dip, tap, and swipe. Yes, sir. The latest dance trend I hear. All the hip kids are doing the dip, <laughs> tap, and swipe. Uh, so that means it accepts. EMV cards with chips, NFC contactless payments for cards or mobile devices, and the traditional old-fashioned MagStripe cards as well. Of course. If you're still using that or if you're still using those. So 90s. So 90s, indeed. (laughs) That's so 90s. Uh, perfect for table-side service, line-busting, curbside pickup, and anywhere your customers need to accept payments. Honestly, if I was out shopping or eating somewhere and someone kind of approached me with an M60 and said, hey, yeah. we'd like to take your payment, yeah. I'd probably just instantly become a loyal customer. There you go. But yeah. You're just so cool and ahead of the curve. Frictionless. Yeah, look at this. You just tap and boom, you're I'm done. I'm on board. So there you go. That's your mm-hmm. pitch. Yep. You're out there selling this device. John Martin of the TechConnect Podcast says he'll be a loyal customer if you're using this. Bingo. Through that all. Yeah. I'll sell thousands of them for you. Uh, to learn more about this amazing device, check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star Elo team.